No, man, it is really good to see you all here tonight. Open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. We looked this morning at the righteousness of God and how all of his precepts are, are upright. His judgments are upright. And that we need a foundation of righteousness and holiness in our ministry. And then the other thing that we talked about was the need for us to live in a godly way in this time. And so I want us to go to Ephesians 4. And some of you may have this outline written in your notes. If you don't, I want you to. And this is something that we need to be reminded of often. So how are we going to work for the Lord? How are we going to walk in our Christian life? So look at verse 1. And I want you to look at our mission. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. So our mission is to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith we have been called. Now, how can anybody ever walk worthy of Christ? Anybody? Can anyone walk worthy of Christ? But that's not the mission. The mission is to walk worthy of the vocation. And what is our vocation? Our vocation is not mechanic or preacher or lawyer or librarian. Our, 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 and it's certainly not engineer. And it's certainly not retired engineer. Our vocation is Christian. And so what is a Christian supposed to walk like? A Christian is supposed to walk worthy of their, of their vocation. What is the vocation of a Christian? It's a disciple. We are to be disciples of Jesus Christ. You know, there are many people that name the name of Christ that never grow in the Lord. They never advance in their spiritual walk. They never move ahead. And I would ask you, if you looked back five years in your Christian life, are you farther along in your Christian walk? Or are you in the same place? Or have you gone backwards? Remember, if you're coasting, you're going downhill, right? So if we are going to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith we're called, what are the qualifications for that? Well, look at what the text says. With all lowliness, meekness, long-suffering. So what is lowliness? Well, it's not being high-minded. It's not being high-minded. Meekness is not being timid. Because Moses was called the meekest man on the earth. And Moses, I don't think Moses was real timid. So what is meekness? It's not thinking about yourself. It's not thinking about yourself. Uh, preaching at the church in Toledo... They're doing some remodeling, and it's so funny. Uh, so a new pastor, and he had been on staff there for 14 years, so they know him, but he's been the pastor for a year and a half. Beautiful, one of the most beautiful buildings you'll ever see, but it just got old. You know, they, they built it 20, 25 years ago, and how many of you know your carpet doesn't look quite the same after 25 years? Your paint doesn't look quite the same after 25 years. And so they're updating some things, and they've asked me to help with that, so I'm doing a little bit of help with it. And they have one of the biggest lobbies in the world. Their lobby is probably as big as our whole church. 
And so you know what it's screaming for? Coffee. And, uh, and I, just, I, I just told them. I, I said, it's, I think it would be blasphemy not to have coffee in this section. And the pastor mentioned to me that, boy, there's probably 40% of the people that would think that the church is going contemporary if they have coffee. How many of you did not know that was part of the contemporary church movement? How many of you did not know that, that progressivism equals coffee? I'm so glad it doesn't because since I don't eat sugar, coffee is my only joy. And it was interesting. I had a man come up to me after the service I was preaching. <clears throat> I guess it was after the Sunday morning service. And he said, he said, you know, I've been here for years. And he said, man, you know, these changes, these changes are really hard on me. And here's what they're changing. Seriously, paint color. You know, there's not, it's not like they're changing their Bible. They're changing their doctrine. They're trying to get people involved in discipleship, and they're changing the paint color. And so he said to me, he said, he said I've been here for years. I, I don't know if, if I like the, if these changes are just uncomfortable for me. I said, well, it's a good thing it's not about you then, isn't it? I don't know what he's expecting me to say, but probably not that. I said, are you saved? He said, yeah. I said, how long have you been in this church? 25 years. I said, well, good, good. Just why don't you just jump in and work and praise God that if a paint color can help someone to come to church and stay and get saved, that, that really it doesn't matter what you think about the color. Amen? And this is, this is the meekness component to our Christian walk. You know, we really do get to where we think the ministry is about us. And that's all, what are you laughing about over there? What? Doesn't sound very meek? It was. I wasn't thinking about myself when I said that. I was thinking about the knucklehead in front of me. <laughs> and so here, here's the thing. How many, of you, how many of you have ever noticed that things change when you are in charge of something? Everyone becomes an idiot when you're in charge. And it's so funny. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to get you all involved and get you all working. And so this is what our new team ministry, our new ministry that we introduced about five years ago, that never got off the ground. See, so what we've done is we've taken and we've actually put people in charge of it that will do it. And so Chad and Jim McDermott are going to be heading up our team ministry. And we have some guys that are going to be team leaders that don't know that they're going to be team leaders yet. They're going to, they're going to be voluntold. You haven't talked to the one guy yet, have you? So Eric Edwards doesn't know that he's going to be a team leader. You knew it was coming, didn't you? You saw it. And... See, now he'll stop complaining. See, that's, the, no, no, that's not it at all. And the idea is that we're going to divide up our church into six different ministries. Seven. The seventh one is the journal. And I'm going to make Patrick do all of that, so that doesn't matter. Perfect. perfect <laughs> that's right. The perfect number, seven ministries. That's right. So seven ministries, including the journal. And actually, we do need some help with the journal. But... The idea is we're going to have a leader, and then there are different ministries underneath that heading. And you all will be one team. Everyone on that will be one team. And so there's going to be better oversight. There's going to be better direction. 
Because we're going to see in this text that it's the church's responsibility to enable you, to facilitate your use of the gifts that God has given you. But how are we going to do that? The only way any of it will work is in lowliness and meekness and, I promise, long-suffering. Do you know what long-suffering means? Suffering long. That's what it means. That's another definition for marriage, if you all were ever wondering what that is. Be sure she's the right one. Just trust me. And so this idea of our mission, our mission is honestly, it's not too much. Live like a Christian. How many of you think that's a pretty good mission? To walk, to live the way that we have been called. So look back at Ephesians 4, verse 1. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. What does it mean to forbear? To put them before you. To put them before you. And I know that many of you are leaders, all right? God has given us a church of leaders, strong people. And so what will happen is someone will be working with you, and it'll be your job to direct them because you're going to get instruction from your team leader. Your team leader will get instruction from me. And that we're going to... Keep the church moving all in the same direction. Those of you who have been through discipler training know this, but hold your place in Ephesians 4 and go to 1 Corinthians 1. We're going to be introducing this, what did we say, guys, in about six weeks? Six or seven weeks. So we're really taking time to develop it. It's all going to be, it's going to be pretty, uh, pretty cool when you see it. But look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 10. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing. How do we accomplish that? Through discipleship. That we're all speaking the same thing. But look at this. And that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Go to Philippians. Chapter 2. You know what? Let's look at Philippians chapter 1 and look at verse 27. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel. So as as it becometh the gospel. Your conversation is your walk, it's your lifestyle. Uh, I understand, isn't that what Miss Doty taught you in Sunday school today? Talking about your walk, your conversation. So as becometh the gospel. What does that mean? It means it adorns it in a way that is attractive. My lifestyle should, when I give someone the gospel, my lifestyle should make that gospel beautiful. That's the idea of that verse. It's really important. How many of you remember the Chuck Swindoll lifestyle evangelism years ago? Right? And lifestyle evangelism doesn't work because at some point you've got to preach the word. But if your lifestyle doesn't match your evangelism, it doesn't become, it doesn't adorn it with grace. So here are verse 27 again. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Striving together, one mind. We are all together. That's what it means in chapter 2 and verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. 
The mind of Christ, according to the book of Philippians, is humility of spirit and unity of thought and purpose. That's the mind of Christ. Humility of spirit and unity of thought and purpose. And I've got to tell you, at Grace Baptist Church, I really do believe that we have humility of spirit. The unity of thought and purpose. I think that we have unity of thought. Now we need unity of purpose. And that's the, that's the whole concept behind the teams. How many of you know we really need to be leading more people to Christ? Would you be honest with me and say that we're not reaching enough people? And so that's going to change. And that's not going to change by me yelling at you and telling you what a heathen you are because you're not leading people to Christ. What's going to happen is the church needs to facilitate that and help you to accomplish that. And so that is what we are going to do. Now go back to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4. So our mission is to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith we are called. What's our message, though? What's our message? See, when your mission, when someone tells you your mission is to live like a Christian, to be a Christian, how many of you know that looks different to a lot of different people? Look at what this text says. Endeavoring, verse 3, to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. So we need to understand that if we're going to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith we have been called, it must be according to the faith once delivered unto the saints. And that is a faith that we must earnestly contend for. We need to be consumed. My zeal has consumed me because they do not keep your words. Remember, we saw that verse this morning in Psalm 119. We have to have such a passion for the truth and such a passion for what God has taught us and delivered to us and entrusted to us that as we go out and do his work, that that's our backbone. That's our foundation. That's what we stand on in lowliness, in meekness, in long-suffering. It's interesting. You can believe something gently. I, I like Larry Clayton years ago preaching here. He said, I'm saved. I'm just not mad about it. Isn't that good? And you know what that was in response to? He said, Brother Clayton, all of your kids are serving God. All of his kids are, are following the Lord. And they had a tough life. Can you imagine all the traveling they did and never really having a home and all of that? And he said, we made ministry fun. We made the Christian life fun. The Christian life shouldn't be a drudgery. It ought to be awesome. We laugh all the time. And that's the way it ought to be. And you can have fun and laugh all the time and believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and believe that every word of God is pure, like we saw this morning in Psalm 119. You can believe that God has preserved that in the Bible that you hold in your hands and still laugh and have fun. And so we have to understand that if we're going to do this walk, walking worthy of the vocation, that's our mission our message can never get away from the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One Lord, we know who that is. That's the triune God. That's the one who created the world in six literal days. We believe in the one God. Not only that, there's one faith, and that's the faith once delivered unto the saints. One baptism. What is that baptism? That's the baptism of the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ when a person gets saved. That's the one baptism. It's not water baptism, folks. 
But water baptism is the only picture of that baptism. It's very important. But this text, the one baptism, our water baptism is a picture of the spiritual reality. It's a physical picture of the spiritual reality. Just as the Lord's Supper is a physical picture of what actually happened on the cross, but he doesn't die again every time we take the Lord's Supper. Amen? And so one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who's above all, and in you all, we have to understand that if we're going to walk worthy of the vocation, that our message is not only about someone that's out there, it's about someone that's in here. It'll just change the way we live. It'll change the way that we live. Now look at this. So we have our mission, and we have our message. Look at the measure. Verse 7, But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore, he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. That's an amazing verse. In the same verse, you have Jesus Christ taking paradise to heaven. You know, in between the time that he was just taking care of some stuff. He was taking care of some stuff from the time that he died on the cross until he rose from the dead. During that time, he went and preached the gospel to the souls in prison, and he led captivity captive. He took paradise to heaven, and since he was a little bored with that, he gave gifts to men. And that's a fact. Anybody saved here? How many of you are saved here? Then you have a spiritual gift that God gave you that he intends for you to use in the local church. And honestly, you all know that, but one of the things that we as a church haven't done well recently, and it's, you know, with Pastor Nathan leaving and the the building program and then me being tired for a year and then COVID hitting. Those are all my excuses for not doing what I was supposed to do. Thank you for not cutting my pay during that time. You see, it's the church's job to help you to use your gifts. And we'll see that here because look at this. So the measure. Now, I want you to see, this, this is so fun. The, look at the messengers that God's given us. Verse 11. And he gave some apostles. We don't have those anymore. We have the apostles through the word of God. Amen? Right? Remember the church at Ephesus? Jesus commends them for trying them that say they're apostles and are not and has found them liars. If somebody tells you they're an apostle, they're a liar. Okay? So now look at what it says. And he gave some apostles... And some prophets. We don't have prophets anymore. Why? Because we have the Bible. If someone tells you they have a prophecy that disagrees with the Bible, they're a liar. They're a liar. Now look at the next, let's keep going. And some evangelists, these evangelists, it's not a guy that goes from church to church yelling at people. An evangelist is a missionary, church planter. That's what the Apostle Paul was. That's what our missionaries are. All right, and then pastors, teachers. So pastors and teachers. That pastor, teacher, that's the same office, pastor and teacher. And so what were those messengers given for? What were they going to do? So we have our mission, walk worthy of the vocation wherewith we're called. We have our message, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. We have our measure that God has given gifts to all of us to do his work. We have the messengers The only messengers that have authority are the apostles, the prophets. The pastors and teachers have to teach what the apostles and prophets gave us. The evangelists have to teach what the apostles and prophets gave us. Because we are continuing steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. We're not continuing steadfastly in the pastors' doctrine. Are you with me on that? Holy men of God 
in old time, spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Prophecy, but the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. That's what we preach. That's what we teach. And a, and a true messenger from God will understand that's his authority. I'm not the authority. The word of God is the authority. Amen? Why did God give those to the church, those messengers? To produce maturity. And look at the maturity, the next verse, verse 12. For the perfecting of the saints, whenever you see that word perfect, for the most part, think maturity, complete. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So my job is, as the pastor teacher, is to equip Caleb to do the work of the ministry. That's, that's what my job is. And too long in our type of churches, the attitude has been, that's what we pay you for. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Now, you aren't that. You guys don't behave that way, honestly. But that is the attitude that people have. I don't really want to hire staff anymore. God's brought the people to Grace Baptist Church to accomplish the work. Eventually, we may. But right now, man, you guys are doing a great job. And wouldn't it be better to use that money to pay off the building or to send money to missions and accomplish those things as opposed to paying staff when God's people here can accomplish those things? And how does that work? How does that work? Sometimes people will say to me, um, how are you able to preach out? Who, who preaches at your church when you're gone? We got about 10 guys in our church that can take the pulpit. Isn't that awesome? We're going to find out whether or not that's true next Sunday night. Brent New is speaking, and we'll see if Carrie has the message done by then. <laughs> but isn't it a blessing? I mean, we've got, I know we've got 10, maybe more guys that, that, that can capably fill the pulpit because that's what we are supposed to do. My job is to minister the word here or wherever, and it's God's men, their job, my job is to train them to be able to communicate God's word to other people. We know that because the Bible says, "...in the things which thou hast heard of me among many witnesses..." The same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Right. So, perfecting the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So, we mature, we preachers, we mature the believers to do the work of the ministry and to edify the body of Christ. Sometimes people misread this. It's as if the, the, the pastor's job is to edify the people. Well, that's true. That is part of my job, but it's your job too. And that's what one-on-one -on -one discipleship is. The, the, the job of discipleship is to reproduce reproducers. And that's what we're trying to accomplish. And if you haven't signed up for discipleship, you need to do it. And if you're a grown man and you've not been through discipleship yet, shame on you. You are not doing what you're supposed to be doing and you need to lead your wife and we'll put a married couple together with you guys and get you discipled. Because that's your job. Don't just take up space. No, don't stop coming if you don't want to get discipled. We still love you. But come on. The time's short. If we're going to redeem the time, we need, to, we need that rallying call around the Word of God, and we need to prepare as many people. What happens if, if somehow, over the next several years, the government says we can't meet together anymore? Well, we need every man in this church to have the capacity to teach God's Word. We have to do that. That's why we have to have discipleship. We have to have discipleship. So now, 
So the card's in the pew. You can, we're going to take an offering here in the pew, in the chair. Fill that out. We'll have an offering here in a little while. We'll match you up with a disciple. All right, then. Um, and if you don't want to sign up for discipleship, I think you've got lace on your underwear. All right. <laughs> I can't find the verse for that. But I'll, I'll... So what does this maturity look like? Verse 13. Till we all, what's that, what, what is that word? Till we what? Like three people said it. Till we, I, I want all of you to say it. Ready? Till we all, all come in the unity of the faith. You see any repetition there? The unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So here's what we need. We all need to be Christ-like. This church needs to be Christ-like. That's what it means to walk worthy of the vocation. How do we know? What does that look like? Because I don't know about you guys, I'm not real good at raising people from the dead. Right? That, that's, that, I'm not your go-to guy for restoring limbs. So the text tells us what that Christ-like looks like, Christ-likeness looks like. Look at the next verse. That... We henceforth, so from now on, be no more children. So how many of you know men that have never grown up? Right? If all you can do when you go home, you're a grown man, and all you can do is play video games, probably time to grow up. Right? Now, I don't care if you play video games. You've never heard me preach against video games. I'm just telling you, if you're a grown man, and you spend more time playing video games than you do with your kids or your wife... You're, you're, it's time to grow up. Is that an example? Is that, is that a pretty good example? So what are we supposed to do? It, it's time to stop sitting in the chair. It, it's time to grow up. To not be blown about with doctrine. And how do you not be blown about with doctrine? You have to know what you believe. Look, look what the text says. Till we all come in the unity of the faith, verse 14, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. So, but how do I know? How, so you say, well, I'm not being blown about. Look at the next verse. But... So the, the contrast, the contrasting conjunction there, is, is that what that is, Nathaniel? Did I do good on that grammar? Okay, good. But speaking the truth in love. See, when false doctrine comes in, a man of God is not only blown about, but he's able to speak the truth to that person in love. That's what we are supposed to be. Those are the kinds of men that we need at Grace Baptist Church. These are the kinds of ladies that we need at Grace Baptist Church. Now, praise God, we got a bunch of them. Amen? We've got a bunch of them, but we need more. We need more. That's why we're here. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. So now, what does it look like? What does it look like when... The church is full of mature believers that are not blown about, that are edifying others, that are doing the work of the ministry, that are speaking the truth in love. What does that look like? The next verse, verse 16. 
from whom, these are these people speaking the truth in love, from whom the whole body, I'm sorry, this is from Christ, the whole body fitly joined together, fitly joined together. So I'm uh, I'm an amateur woodworker. And one of the things I love, I like watching videos of really quality craftsmen. And you'll see a guy hand cut some dovetails. And you'll watch them. They're not even cutting the video. And they they take these things, he marks them with his pencil, and, and saws them out, gets his Japanese saw and saws them out. He puts those things together, and they are fitly joined together. And he puts that on the back of a drawer, and that drawer will last for centuries. Fitly joined together. That's what our church is supposed to be. We are supposed to be fitly joined together. And here's the thing. The apostle, the, the apostle Paul was a master builder. Is that what he called himself? But he was under the chief builder. And if we take the apostle Paul's plan in the power of the Holy Spirit, we can be that. So now look at the verse, verse 16 again. Look at what happens. From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth. So that's every one of you. That's all of us. Even you young people. That's all. Chase, even you. That's all of us together, working together. How? How do we work together? We're compacted, doing what every one of us is supposed to do. How do we do that? Verse 16 again, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, look, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part. Measure, what the measure? That's the gift that God gave you. So when you take your gift and you plug it into the hole in lowliness, in meekness, in long-suffering, forbearing one another, understanding the message is in here and the message giver is in here. And that when he ascended up on high, he gave you gifts and he gave us apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry to build us to where we are mature people. Then look at what happens. This is so cool. Verse 16, from whom? The whole body, fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part. Look it. Maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. This is the best church growth passage I've ever seen. How many of you want Grace Baptist to grow? How's that going to happen? You know, they used to have big days. They'd have a big event that would draw people. I asked Dalton Robertson one time. They were going to have a big day. I said, what are you doing to get people? He said, me and Lisa are going to wrestle in a vat of baked beans. <laughs> Those of you who don't come from that background, they would do that. Leanna, don't you think somebody would do that? Yes. What are we going to do to gather a crowd like that? No, I like, I like the biblical way better. The, you know, you bring a guy in to jump a motorcycle over a bunch of buses. You got a bunch of people there. Well, how about instead we have a body of mature people 
that are fitly joined together and compacted. We're, we're, we're one. Based on Jesus Christ and the gifts that he has given us. When we're all doing our part, that's when we're going to grow. Because we're going to facilitate the kind of ministry that God wants us to have. See, when we're all doing what we're supposed to do, we have the workforce, which is the huge part of it, isn't it? We have the, the laborers. We have the laborers. And then when we have mature believers, this, uh, ready? Now no, I'm going to get into the weeds. You ready? When we have mature believers, then we have the money. We have the finances to accomplish what we need to accomplish. And then when we have everyone doing what they're supposed to do, we have the giftedness. So every service, people come in and say, man, it's like heaven come down. The church service is like heaven. When I get together with God's people, even, where's, where's Andy at? Even if it's a game day, he's out in security playing games. Even if it's game day, you have people that are bringing people because they might not come to a church service, but they'll come and play games. They'll get to know you, and then you'll have the opportunity to give them. The, you see, every little bit, everything that you're interested in, Philippians 2.13, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. I love diving into old, musty books and learning truths to communicate to you. Some of you would rather run an ice pick through your eye than do that. But there's something that God has given you that you love that he wants you to give back to him. Amen? And it's so funny. Look at the next verse. It's almost like we're coming in a circle. This I say, therefore... So when you see a therefore, what are you supposed to do? See what it's there for? We've just looked at the, what it's there for. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk, not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind. See, our walk must be purposeful. It must be worthy of the vocation wherewith we have been called. Amen? So I really want you to pray for Chad, pray for Jim. God has brought these kinds of managers to our church. And then we have a team that's kind of overseeing that. And it's Ty and, and Justin and uh, Chad and Jim and myself. And then we're going to have leaders over these teams. One of them is Eric Edwards. And I, I can't wait. He hasn't even agreed to do it yet. He's giving me this really stern, mean look right now. Listen. I'm just excited to see what God's going to do here. Got the building done. It leaks a little, but we got the building done. We have the opportunity, and honestly, COVID has given us time to take a breath. And so now we're going to organize things. We're going to get through our church budget meeting. We're going to, the next thing we're going to do after I finish is we're going to do a new church constitution. We're going to spend the, the, our services talking about what a church is supposed to be so that we can approve a new constitution to make sure that we're protected. How many of you know that the government's, at some point soon, the government's going to come against churches like us? So we've got to have our church documents ready for those kinds of things. So we're just, we're just moving ahead. So this is our plan. Finish Psalm 119. Get a new church constitution. Establish our team ministry. Head into the summer and have our team camps and our fair ministry and all of these ministries. Head into the fall and have man camp and trunk or treat and all of these things. But in between all of that, you and I leading people to Christ. And just 
walking worthy of the vocation wherewith we are called. Are you on board with that? Does that sound like a good plan? What I love is, here's the plan right here. We just looked at it. Let's walk worthy of it. Lord, we love you. We're not worthy of any of it. And we can't walk worthy of you, but we can walk worthy of our calling if we walk in the Spirit. So, Father, I pray that you'll help us to have lowliness, that you'll help us to be meek, that you'll help us to be long-suffering and help us to forbear one another, that you'll help us to understand, to know, to know what our message is.